patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. It's time for Entertainment Landfill News, your safe haven from the real world of politics and all that crap. We don't need that. Come on, people. There is no need to be throwing shade. We're tired of it all, aren't we? Sit back, relax, and let the film, television, and pop culture news wash over you and cleanse you. Now, here he is, the Jaystrom. presents Landfill News with your host, The Jaystrom. Now, here's your host, The Jaystrom. Um, hello, hello everyone. It is I, The Jaystrom. Welcome to Entertainment Landfill News, the place where we talk about film, television, pop culture, video games, and all that kind of stuff. News! Welcome to the landfill, baby! I'm here to talk about it all with you! Yeah! Hey, guys. Consistently, week to week, I've been doing this show. Pretty cool, huh? I'm pretty proud of myself, man, (laughs) that I've actually done this. But, guys, I hope... That you got to see Ghostbusters, and I hope you got to listen to our instant reaction. If you haven't yet, I understand. You don't want to see it on the first week. Maybe see it in the next week or whatever. But uh, you better hurry, because uh, it didn't come in first at the box office. It came in second. It'll be gone soon. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm sure it'll do fine. I don't keep up with box office takes. The only thing I, if I really like a movie, I will root for it. And if I see it's not number one, I'll get bummed out. Like, oh, I want people to see this movie. But um, in this case, you know, whatever. They took their shot. It's a reboot. Reboots are hard to, uh, you know. I, You know what the, the weird thing is, now that I'm thinking about this presently, is that the reason they do reboots, they make remakes, the reason we have another Footloose or Total Recall or Robocop is because it's a um, it's something that already exists in our mind. They know that, hey, if we make another Robocop, a brand new one, people will flock to theaters to see this because everyone loved the original. But we see time and time again that people are like, no, not interested. I mean, sure, uh, 
45 million whatever uh ghostbusters made is a lot of money but you know they wanted to open number one come on they got beat out by the second week in a row by life of pets uh i mean what i mean is life of pets second week at, at the box office um reboots are not like an instant money-making success that studios keep banking on when they do reboots which is strange to me you would think they would see that actually reboots uh all it does is piss people off and then they go see it and there's nothing that great about it i think the difference between like force awakens which was a sequel more than a reboot, but it is kind of a reboot because you're creating new characters is that people were starved for more star Wars. It's kind of a different thing. If you think about it, you know, star Wars, it, it, you can't really lump it in with other reboots because star Wars has this, um, you know, everything else going on for it, whether it be books or video games or whatever, it's always on our mind, star Wars fans and stuff. And we're always craving more star Wars, uh, unlike, say, like a Ghostbusters, we all love Ghostbusters. For years, people wanted them to make a Ghostbusters 3 with the original cast. That didn't happen, or it wasn't going to happen. So it's like, okay, let's make a reboot with somebody else. And, you know, everybody knows the story of that. And part of me wonders if, um, if there was so much talk about it, you know, the... I'm going to say they, the trolls, the angry over women Ghostbusters. I have no idea, but maybe people got sick of hearing about it and they just didn't want to see the movie. I don't know, but obviously it's not for them. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm rambling. But anyway, uh, Ghostbusters, it's out. You can see it and see what you think finally. Um, I don't think any of the problems with the film come down to there being female Ghostbusters. That's, uh, that's the least of its problems. They're, they're fine. They're great. And I even read about, uh, Leslie Jones getting hell on Twitter from racist trolls, just writing terrible things to her. And it bummed me out so much because she is the best thing about that movie. She is so funny. Uh, if you listen to our show, Bill and Steven and I all agree she's the best uh, Ghostbuster in there. She's genuinely funny. And she, think about this, people like Leslie Jones, she's uh, an actress, comedian. She's on Saturday Night Live. She brings joy and laughter to the world with what she does. All trolls do is hurt people and they take pleasure in it. Screw them. They're cowards. They're hiding behind a persona on Twitter uh, just whatever. Just delete them all. Don't pay attention to it, Leslie. That's the way I feel. Because she's great. She should know she's great. It, it's a lot of hard work making people laugh. And if we can bring a little bit of happiness in this world, then you're great. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate her. So, screw them. <laughs> uh, I spent the weekend binge-watching a show. And if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, you know what I was watching. Here's a hint if you've ever heard this music. Ah, yeah. Doesn't that sound beautiful?
beautiful theme. I just gotta let it play out. Oh man. I binge watched the new Netflix series called Stranger Things with my wife. We started Saturday morning. I knew I wasn't going to be able to watch it on Friday when it first uh, appeared on Netflix because of other things. And I knew we were going to see Ghostbusters and then record a show afterwards. So, okay, first thing, uh, Saturday, we're going to sit down and watch Stranger Things and see how far we get into it. We did not stop till we were finished with all eight episodes that night. I think we took a break after the fourth episode. I was like, hey, I, I, we got to get lunch. I got to run to the store. And we took a break for a couple hours and then went right back into it. It feels like an eight-hour movie. That's what I love about Netflix. They can do this kind of storytelling where you don't have to do previously on Stranger Things or do the false act breaks that you have to do because of commercials. Netflix makes this storytelling possible, this ongoing storyline where uh, basically they've broken off into chapters. It's eight chapters is the way the story is. And it feels like a Stephen King novel. It takes place in 1983, uh, a year in my life where I believe I was like 11 or 12. I'm bad at math, but, um, it involves a group of children, uh, kids, you know, they're riding their BMX bikes. It's got teenagers and the adults. And that's all the whole plot revolves around this boy who's gone missing and these strange things that are happening in this small town. First of all, I love small towns. Think of uh, Mulberry, uh, the town that I've kind of established in my imagination and created nowhere in Mulberry or whatever. But, um, that I love this type of story, and you'll read everyone's. Uh, it's kind of a love letter. You'll read people say to Steven Spielberg and John Carpenter. That theme sounds very John Carpenter, something he would compose, and it's also very Stephen King. If you're a fan of any of those things, and it feels like a show that takes place in the 80s because it looks like the 80s and it's not a spot the reference type of show like oh i remember that i remember that oh 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 look 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 or it's nothing like that it just it takes place in the 80s people wear the clothes they wear or the cars are the way the cars are or etc you'll see a trapper keeper in there too which is amazing <laughs> That was the one thing I was like, dude, that's a trapper keeper. You know, we all had trapper keepers in the 80s. Um, And it's just an amazing show, an amazing story. If you could set aside eight hours to just watch Stranger Things, I was full attention. I didn't pick up my phone. I wasn't checking Twitter, nothing. I had the lights out. We had the TV so loud. And it's funny, my daughter would come in the room, do you guys have to watch this so loud? And I was like, I'm sorry, but yes, we do. <laughs> um, we drive her crazy because we're like, come and watch it with us. She's like, nah, I, I don't want to sit here for eight hours. And it's like, yeah, I don't blame you. But um, it's it's got all these great 80s tunes in it also. There is one chapter where I heard this song by Echo and the Bunnymen where I went, ooh, like I like sat up, Nocturnal Me. It's such a great song on the album Ocean Rain. One of my favorite albums of all time until, I don't know if you guys have done this, when you over listen to an album and then you're like, okay, 
I've heard this enough in my life, and you don't listen to it for like 10 years. So I probably haven't heard that song in 10 years. So when I heard it in the show, I was just like, wow. And they used it so effectively, so setting the mood and the tone perfectly. Uh, I'm just in love with this series. Um, I can't say enough about it. I just want Bill and Steven to watch it so bad. Uh, to talk about it with them. I would love to do a show just where we talk all about Stranger Things. So it cannot come higher. How do I phrase the sentence? So I cannot recommend it enough. There you go. I did it. Yay. Jason, you did it. <laughs> now, uh, okay. My phone's it's making all sorts of noise. Let me uh, mute it. There we go. I hate that I always forget that. Um, now. Let's get into news, guys. Don't forget to watch Stranger Things, and we'll talk about that more. Um, Nintendo to sell tiny Nintendos this November. This sounds cool. Picture an NES, the old gray and light gray box, sitting in the palm of your hand. Nintendo announced plans to get into the flashback console business this November with the release of a tiny NES Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, it's called the NES Classic Edition. It'll play 30 games and only retail for $60. Which, if you think about the 30 games and all the joy you're going to get out of this, $60, man, that's a bargain. It'll have an HDMI port on it so you can hook it up to a modern TV. You've never seen the games as crisp as you're going to see on this thing. And the games are built in, so there's no immediate way for you to play your own cartridges or change games on the device or anything like that. It'll come with an NES-style controller that has a Wii-style connector on it, so you can plug it into the nunchuck-like ports on the device itself or use it as an extra classic controller on your Wii or Wii U. How cool is that? The old controllers will, I mean, they're new, but they look old, will work on your Wii or Wii U. You can buy a second controller for only $9.99 to play those two-player games. Each game has multiple suspend points that lets you save the game and recall it later to continue. People seem to fall into two camps on this unit, with some expecting this thing to be way more functional than it is, and others who are just psyched to play some old Nintendo games and haven't figured out some other way to do that on a virtual console or flea markets or whatever. Or Here's a list of Nintendo games that you can buy, and it's 30 games, but let me go ahead and name them. Balloon Fight, Bubble Bobble, which I remember being fun. Castlevania, Castlevania 2, come on, those Castlevania games, this is worth it just to play those games. Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., which, you know, we all love. Double Dragon 2, The Revenge. I remember the first Double Dragon, but I'm not sure about 2. Dr. Mario, Excite Bike, come on! Final Fantasy, Galaga, Galaga is endlessly playable. Ghosts and Goblins, one of the hardest games ever created. Gradius, Ice Climber, Kid Icarus, or I remember my friend Ray, Kid Icarus. Kid Icarus is awesome. It's like, isn't it Kid Icarus? Or is he saying it wrong or am I? Kirby's Adventure, Mario Brothers, Mega Man 2, Metroid. Are you kidding me? Ninja Guy Dan, Pac-Man, or Ninja Gaiden, by the way. Punch-Out featuring Mr. Dream. I don't think uh, they took Mike Tyson's name off it eventually. I think when he was incarcerated, Star Tropics, 
Super C, which is a Contra game. Uh, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers 3, Tecmo Bowl. I, I remember I never really cared much about football, but Tecmo Bowl is a fun football game. The only thing is you need a super long TV, or at least you did back then, but now we have widescreen televisions. This is going to be awesome. I would love for them to in, to uh, work in a widescreen feature, but I think I'm thinking way too ahead of myself because the arcade game was like this three monitor setups of a football field, and the Nintendo version wasn't like that, obviously. So never mind what I'm saying. And finally, The Legend of Zelda and Zelda 2: The Adventures of Link. For the record, I think this is a near-perfect list of games. This is a guy on Giant Bomb saying this. For the thing, for a thing designed to be sold at like Urban Outfitters and Target and some end cap somewhere. Hey, I used to love these damn video games and impulse buy it. I mean, I might put Contra on there instead of Super C, and I refuse to recognize Mr. Dream as the card-carrying member. <laughs> and no one in their right mind actually wants an NES version of Pac-Man or Galaga. But yes, this is a nice varied list. It sounds cool, man. I The one game that I remember getting hours of joy with, with my childhood friend Ray, again... RC Pro-Am was this awesome, twitchy racing game where you're racing uh, radio-controlled cars, and it was so fast-paced, and I just remember it being awesome. Oh, man, I wish that was on there so bad. And also Blaster Master, that would have been cool. But still, that's 60 bucks, man. You, I'm getting that for my daughter. I'm like, you you know one thing that's funny about these kind of uh retro game things or collections and I mean, I think the only I've only played a couple of them but I think they're neat for a few minutes and I quickly lose interest but Nintendo it's right in my wheelhouse. I remember when the NES came out. By the way, never owned a Nintendo an NES. My best friend Ray did and we hung out all the time so I'd go over to his house. I remember spending the night in us playing Metroid all night long, just all night. Like we look outside and it was like dawn, the sun was coming up and we're like, we got to get to the mother brain. And I remember we came up, the mother brain part was so hard where you have to avoid the fire that I would do the pause button over and over again, like pause, pause. Pause, pause. And he'd move. It was kind of like we invented our own slow motion to get through certain parts. But um, that's fun. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that for sure. Okay, guys. This comes to you from IGN. Movie tickets are the most expensive they've ever been. Yeah, you're telling me. Going to the movies is more expensive than it's ever been as average ticket prices reach an all-time high this past quarter. According to the National Association of Theater Owners, the average price for a movie ticket climbed to $8.73 during the second quarter of 2016, eclipsing the prior $8.70. The price marks a 1.7% jump from quarter 1, 2016, which had an average ticket price of $8.58, as well as a 1.4% increase over the last second quarter of $8.60. What are you guys talking about this 861 or whatever? I've been paying $15 for tickets for over a year now. The reason for the jump is believed to be due to premium showings like IMAX and 3D with Disney's latest animated hit Finding Dory and Marvel Marvel superhero blockbuster Captain America Civil War leading the charge. Meanwhile, box office revenue was down this past quarter. Okay. Yeah, I've been 
paying the extra prices to see films in XD. And uh, so, yeah, movie tickets are high, but they're $8. I would love to pay that average. <laughs> um, but I've got If a film now is in 3D, it looks good in 3D, and I'm going to go see it in XD. Uh, unless you've heard, actually, my, uh, uh, my Ghostbusters conversation where I talked about the sound being messed up. Okay. Star Wars Celebration revealed... Rogue One probably won't feature an opening crawl. What? Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and other standalone movies in the Star Wars universe probably won't feature the series' iconic opening crawl. Speaking to Entertainment Tonight at this year's Star Wars celebration, Lucasfilm's Kathleen Kennedy said she doesn't think, in quotes, the crawl will be featured in the films outside of the sequel trilogy. You know, we're in the midst of talking about it, but I don't think these films will have an opening crawl, Kennedy said. Rogue One director Gareth Edwards was more cryptic when addressing the question. I think basically there's a lot of things that I probably can't talk about. It's probably the safe way to answer that, he said. The idea is the film is supposed to be different than the saga films. The whole crawl of it all. It's funny that people are fascinated on that. The other ways Rogue One is deviating from the Star Wars formula... There are six things we learned about the film from its cast and crew at the Star Wars celebration. And I'm supposed to click on that. Uh, uh, I shouldn't have read this. What I love about these things is that uh, they always play videos with it. Rogue One, a Star Wars story panel, bore a lot of delicious info fruit today, including a new reel of footage, a new poster, and a new planet. But unfortunately, no new trailer. <laughs> It also featured an extended section featuring each lead character on stage discussing their characters, very often giving out new information about them in the process. Here are a few of our favorite new chunks of backstory straight from the actor shapes horse mouths. Mouths? Mouths. They're trying to be clever, but all it did is fill my mouth with marbles. The team starts being just the two of them, Jin and Cashin, but as the story continues to grow... And like any team, there's friction. Oh, shut up. I don't want to read this. We'll learn when we see it in the theater, guys. Okay, guys. Xbox One S release date revealed. That's right. If you want to buy a newer, white, shiny Xbox, you can. Microsoft has revealed the 2 terabyte version of the Xbox One S will be hitting shelves on August 2nd for $399, which is really good price, I think. The company also confirmed if you pre-order one, you will be getting it on release day. If you want one of the new slim consoles, you can still pre-order from the Microsoft Store, although Microsoft claims availability is limited. So if you want one, you might want to be quick. It's worth noting that the Xbox One won't launch everywhere on that date and will only be available in the following countries. Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Ireland, Italy, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, uh, Poland, Portugal, Slovakia, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, Turkey, UK, and the United States. Other territories will get the console later in the year. Elsewhere, there's a base bundle that comes with a 500 gigabyte hard drive and an Xbox One controller for only $299. Or you can get a 1 terabyte version for $349. Microsoft says more details on the specific availability dates of these two options will be shared soon. But the belief is 
These should also be coming in August. Sounds cool. Okay, guys, remember a while back, how long ago was this? A year ago that we played Rise of the Tomb Raider on the Xbox One? Well, guess what? It's coming to PlayStation 4! That's right, Rise of the Tomb Raider, the second game in the rebooted Tomb Raider franchise, is coming to PlayStation 4 on October 11th. It will be a special edition titled Rise of the Tomb Raider 20 Year Celebration. And will include the game with all of its downloadable content. That's right, all the DLCs you have to purchase otherwise on the Xbox One, you now get them on one disc. In addition to a new mission, new modes, and other extras, the game's new mission called Blood Ties will have players defend Lara Croft's mansion from an onslaught of zombies. How awesome is that? It will also feature support for PlayStation VR and allow players to play as Lara, sorry, should have been saying that the whole time, through a first-person perspective for the first time in franchise history. 20-year celebration will also add an optional higher difficulty level to the story mode, bringing online co-op to the game survival mode endurance and include new outfits and character models for Lara that span the franchise's history. The content added with the 20-year celebration will also be available with the Xbox One and Windows PC and VR support will be exclusive to the PS4. Ha ha ha! Rise of the Tomb Raider was initially exclusive to the Xbox when it was released in November of last year, and the Windows PC version followed a few months later. The game is, was announced for a holiday 2016 release on... Why, why? Who cares? It's coming out, okay? Shut up. Shut your mouth. <laughs> guys, are you fans of Firefly like I am? <laughs> are you guys brown coats? Because Dark Horse announced a new Serenity comic. No Power in the Verse is coming. Although Joss Whedon's acclaimed show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, only lasted seven seasons, only his follow-up, a space western called Firefly, was canceled after barely one season. Luckily for fans, the series has lived on in other media. First in the 2005 sequel film, Serenity. I wouldn't even call it a sequel. It's just a movie, like, uh, based on the same property, right? And then in various Dark Horse comic series. Uh, here's what I want to know. Are these comic series any good? Because a lot of times, I like, I bought the Chuck comic books, guys. I thought it was so cool when I found that. It was like a trade paperback with all the five issues of a Chuck comic released by Image Comics back in, like, 2005 or something. Um... No, 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 not 2005. It was 2007, 2008 or something like that. Sorry. The show didn't even come out until 2007, but I'm reading it and it's not the show. You know, it's just like, it's kind of funny and cheesy or whatever, but it's neat to have. But is this going to be like, oh, this is the Firefly I remember in this comic book form? I don't know. But, um... I think that it's the characters and the relationships first and foremost that keeps people coming back for more, followed pretty closely by the richness of the setting and backstory. Comic writer and iZombie co-creator Chris Robertson tells EW, there's just so much to explore. Robertson is now getting his own chance to explore the world of Serenity with a new comic from Dark Horse, Serenity, No Power in the Verse, illustrated by Georges Janty. I don't know how to say this guy's name. Jaunty illustrates the previous Serenity comic, Leaves on the Wind and No Power in the Verse, picks up a year after 
uh, the conclusion of that storyline. The characters have been busy in the meantime, Robertson teases. They're just wrapping up a job, and they get a call from an old friend who is in desperate need for their help. Things get complicated pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to find out what happens. The title of the series harks back to one of River's most famous quotes from the original series that no power in the verse can stop me. Robertson says that the reference is no accident. Oh, it's not an accident? Oh, and River, now the pilot of Serenity after someone's death, spoiler alert, will play a big part in the new series. River plays a pretty central role in this story, and in more ways than one. She's really coming to her own as the pilot of Serenity, for one thing, but now that Zoe's daughter Emma is toddling around on her own by this point, River, what, she has a daughter? Oh man, I gotta read this! Oh! Uh, whatever. Above and below, check out the cover in the first issue. Ah, oh, looks amazing! Too bad you guys can't see this. Um, yeah, whatever. Did you guys play Life is Strange, the really cool-looking video game that was released in chapters? Well, you didn't. Neither did I. I have watched some people play it, like on Twitch, and it looks amazing. looks really cool. But get this. The first episode of the narrative adventure game Life is Strange will be free to download across platforms from tomorrow. Publisher Square Enix says the change is indefinite. It's clearly a move to get more people interested in the episodic game. And if you get hooked on episode one, you'll be able to pick up the other four parts for only $16.99. Life is Strange won multiple awards, including a BAFTA for Best Story and featured among our favorite games of 2015. This is in Gadget saying this. Its developer, Don Todd Entertainment, says it's really glad that Square Enix has made this decision. So more players can begin their journey and see why people have fallen in love with a game for themselves. You'll be able to get Episode 1 gratis July 21st on Mac, PC, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Xbox 360. Sounds wicked awesome! And uh, my daughter, she might want to play this. I know it's got F-bombs, but I can't protect her forever. Okay, guys. Dead Rising! Coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC. The original game was an Xbox 360 exclusive. A set of PlayStation 4 trophies showed up sometime over the weekend that hints that Dead Rising, an Xbox exclusive when it launched 10 years ago, is coming to the PS4. Capcom replied to say that Dead Rising is coming not only to the PS4, but also Windows PC, Xbox One. Additionally, Dead Rising 2 and Dead Rising 2 off the record, will be coming to PS4 and Xbox One. No launch dates were given. The publisher said more news will be coming soon. The original post follows. Dead Rising was a hit on Xbox 360 when it launched in 2006 and did much to usher in a craze for zombie-themed games on the latest console generation. Persisting in the newest one, an homage to the George Romero zombie classic Dawn of the Dead, the game was followed in 2010 by Dead Rising 2, which launched on the PS3 and Windows PC as well. The original protagonist, Frank West, came to the PlayStation 3 first in 2011. A reimagining of the first Dead Rising 2 with whatever. I, w I should skip the last paragraphs of all these stories. But anyway, um, I remember seeing that first trailer for Dead Rising uh 
for Dead Rising on the place no for Dead Rising on the Xbox 360, and I thought it looked amazing. And then I played it, and it's not that great. And I can only imagine it looks like shit now on uh, the PlayStation 4. I mean, sure, it's playable, and you run around and. But if you play Dead Rising 3 on the Xbox One, you're playing a game that's the same thing, pretty much. And the most annoying thing about that game is you have a clock. You have a timer. You better get moving. You can't explore that much because you have set times you need to be places. So, I mean, it might be fun if it's real cheap. They haven't announced the prices or whatever. But if it's like 5 bucks or something, it might be fun to play for a day. Okay, guys, Netflix's Making a Murderer is getting new episodes. By the way, can I just say, only person on the planet that didn't watch this show is what I feel like. Everybody was talking about it last summer, I think. Now everybody's talking about Stranger Things, and I did see that. Netflix's popular documentary series, Making a Murderer, is getting additional episodes that follow up on the first season stories of Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey. The show followed Avery's case after he spent 20 years on jail on a rape conviction before DNA evidence pr- proved his innocence. Is this a spoiler? <laughs> he was exonerated in 2005 and his case led to reforms in how eyewitness testimony is treated in court. After his acquittal, Avery was tried on a murder charge along with co-defendant Dassey in 2007 and the first season examines the ongoing trials in that case. New episodes, according to the network, will provide an in-depth look at the high-stakes post-conviction conviction process as well as the emotional toll the process takes on all involved each episode will provide interviews with avery's new lawyer kathleen zellner as well as additional interviews with family members and friends caught up in the case wow so if you're a fan of that show check it out i did not see it okay here's something interesting that bill sent me okay If you saw Ghostbusters, and whether you didn't or not, this isn't a spoiler. There's a part in the film that they show in the end credits. And it's not like a cutscene. It's not like a... um, Let me... Okay, picture this. The end credits happen. You see all the people's names. And then in the backdrop, they show scenes that weren't in the movie. Almost like they were in the cutting room floor, right? And they're like, oh, what was that? And you don't hear any dialogue or anything. But there's a part in the movie where the bad guy can control the police like puppets. And that's it. They don't really go anywhere with it. But we see in the end credits that he made them dance. And they're all dancing in unison. And it looks really silly. And you're like, oh, no wonder they cut that from the movie. It looks ridiculous. Well, I wondered about it. And Bill and, uh, Bill and Steven and I wondered about it. But an article came out today in the Hollywood Reporter that says Chris Hemsworth's cut Ghostbusters dance sequence cost Sony seven figures. What? Director Paul Feig said of scratching that pricey choreographed number to the set of BG's You Should Be Dancing from the film was the biggest decision of my life. Director Paul Feig has said that cutting the Ghostbusters dance sequence starring Chris Hemsworth was... Hey, didn't I already read this? The biggest decision of my life. Why did they do that? They put a paragraph and then the same paragraph smaller. Um, but a source on the film tells the Hollywood reporter that it was an expensive one too. The scene cost in the low seven figures and took up to two full days of shooting, not including rehearsal time. 
Mixed audience reactions during test screenings of the scene in which Hemsworth possessed receptionist leads NYPD officers. That's not spoilers, guys. You guys see that in the trailer. <laughs> he leads NYPD officers and camouflage-clad soldiers in a choreograph- choreographed dance number to the Bee Gees, You Should Be Dancing. It led filmmakers to move it into the closing credits. It now plays after several deleted scenes, including one featuring Sigourney Weaver. Sorny, Sony, Sorny, <laughs> Sorny, and Village Roadshow surely would like to have a chunk of that change back, as the film, with a net production budget of 144 million, will have a tough road to profitability after a 46 million dollar debut. There's Magnet Bugs and Sony. A Sony rep denied the amount quoted and said, You should check your source. The cost is absolutely wrong and completely overinflated. Feig's, Feig's rep did not respond to a quest for a comment of what the budget of the movie was. See how they went there? They kind of said this, but they really, it's not about the dance sequence, which I wondered what it was. They just want to talk about, Hey, look how much money you wasted. <laughs> you guys suck. Okay, we all know that Anton Yelchin recently passed away, and it's really sad. And, of course, the new Star Trek film is coming out, and he plays Chekhov. And some people have wondered, what are they going to do with the next Star Trek film? Are they going to get another guy to play Chekhov? That'll be weird. Well, J.J. Abrams says Star Trek Four won't replace Anton Yelchin. One month after the tragic passing of actor Anton Yelchin, Star Trek Beyond producer J.J. Abrams has confirmed that Chekhov won't be, recra- won't be recast for the next Star Trek film. Abrams told the Post Media Network, I would say there's no replacing Anton. There's no recasting. I can't possibly imagine that. And I think Anton deserves better. The producer also told the outlet that the discussions are being had with writers of the next Star Trek to figure out the best way to address the loss of Chekhov. We knew going into this movie it would be a bit of a heartbreak just because of Leonard Nimoy. We had no idea just how devastating the events would become. Yelchin was pinned between his car... Oh, okay, we know how he died, okay? You don't have to bum us out more. But yeah, he was killed by a car, his own car in an unfortunate death. But... uh that is sad. Guy was really young. He's 27. All right, guys, that is the end of all of my news stories. I just wanted to say that Star Trek Beyond. Wait, I cannot close out on that horrible, that sad story. What am I doing here? I've got to throw. I've got to come up with uh, another story real quick. <laughs> but I will say this: Star Trek Beyond does come out this Friday, and I will see it. Steven and I will be seeing it. Um, it's got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. And by the way, I gave a hard time to, uh, what's his face? Richard Roper about his Ghostbusters review, but, uh, he wasn't that far off the mark. But anyway, um, (laughs) he, uh, yeah, whatever. To each his own, right? Also, Ice Age comes out. Ice Age Collision Course. Yeah, they don't, even my daughter is sick of these movies. She's like, why are they making so many of these? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. But I'm really excited for Jason Bourne on July 29th. That's going to be awesome. Also, I'd love to see that one uh, Batman the Killing Joke performance. You know, they're going to show it in theaters for that one night or whatever. And I'm curious to see how shitty the animation looks. Because it, I'm, 
trepidatious over that, if that's a word. Is that a word, you guys? <laughs> uh, but I am excited about Star Trek Beyond. I can't wait to see what Justin Lin does for that, because I actually think he's a good director, and it'd be interesting when he does. And thank God he didn't direct the new Triple X movie. Yikes. I just watched the trailer to the new Triple X, and uh, Vin Diesel's he's skiing in the jungle without snow and it just looks so bad. (laughs) Ah, let's read some reviews. This one from AO Scott. Not every wheel needs reinventing. And one of the abiding pleasures of star Trek in its old and newer iterations lies in its balance of stubborn consistency and canny inventiveness. (laughs) Okay. This one from Mara Reinstein of Us Weekly. It's freewheeling enough to entertain a casual moviegoer and faithful enough to satisfy a Comic-Con nerd. Okay. Allison Wilmore of the BuzzFeed News says, Star Trek Beyond is a snappy, diverting affair that nevertheless leaves a lingering feeling, like Kirk, that something's missing. Oh... Jake Coyle of the Associated Press says, Star Trek Beyond, like most of the rebooted properties flying around our movie theaters, delights in nostalgically resurrecting iconic characters and tweaking them anew. I give it 5,000 stars. Yay! Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune says, Lynn's movie works best when approached as a relaxed, somewhat playful two-hour expansion of one of the old 60s episodes. <laughs> okay. Jim Slottek, love this guy's name, says, Though the action-packed trailers might suggest he simply launched that manic vibe into space, Lynn and scriptwriters Simon Pegg and Doug Jung made a clever plot that gives Beyond the most breathing room for its characters in years. Oh. John Louis says, This third film of the rebooted series is all slick spectacle, created for a 3D cinema. Okay. Let's see what Lee Pash Patch says. While Star Trek absolutely delivers as a pure pulse-raising spectacle, it's also none too shabby as a rollicking adventure yarn. Whew, I got out of breath reading that one. And finally, Christy Puchko says, Lynn, a mastermind of car chases, brings his imaginative sense of spectacle to space, and the result is something truly sensational and befitting a summer blockbuster. Well, Christy, with that review right there, I can't wait to see this. What about you guys? (laughs) Good times. And great wine, guys. But anyway, guys, I promised you I'd find one more story so we wouldn't end on an Anton Yelchin uh, has died story. And also um, the creator of Happy Dies. (laughs) The creator of Happy Days passed away. Gary Marshall. It's really sad. Disney releases a trailer for Star Wars Rebels Season 3. Darth Maul and Thrawn introduced. Whoa. Grand Admiral Thrawn is going to be in Season 3, you guys. And the reason that's a big deal is because of the Thrawn trilogy, which takes place after Return of the Jedi. We thought 
was not in the canon anymore because the new Disney canon, but by including him in Star Wars Rebels Season 3, he is now officially in canon, so that makes it seem like the Thrawn trilogy exists in this timeline. It's really cool when you think about it, and if you're a huge nerd. The third season of Star Wars Rebels is on its way, and it has generated a lot of excitement among the fans. By the way, love Star Wars Rebels. Season 2 had an amazing finale, and I wish I could get Bill to finish it. The Twitter update from the Star Wars page said that Star Wars Rebels Season 3 is going to see more allies coming forward and old enemies returning. The action series on Disney XD is based 14 years after the episode depicted in Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, and five years from Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. The Star Wars Celebration Europe revealed that there is going to be a character in the extended universe of the popular franchise who can easily become more popular than the heroes. Before this hero can be revealed in the Star Wars Rebels Season 3, the characters will have to deal with the return of Darth Maul. Awesome. I won't give you spoilers, which they're doing in the next paragraph, but we're also going to see Wedge. Yay, Wedge! Come on, he was in... He survived all three movies without getting killed, and he's a great pilot. <laughs> Just like Luke. Ah, ah Luke. <laughs> Go to Tashi Station, Luke. <laughs> ah, I got nothing. But I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. I know, Luke, you goomba. But guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's Entertainment Landfill News. I can't wait to see what comes out next so we can do another show where we talk about uh, what we thought of the movie. Maybe we'll do a Star Trek one. I don't know. What's funny about those instant reactions, though, that we're like so tired after a movie (laughs) and you hit record and just go and then we get fired up. I basically, the energy of Steven and Bill fires me up. And it, when I re-listen to it, I notice they're talking. So what did you think? And they'll start talking and they'll remind me of something. They'll go, oh, and I'll like cut them off and start talking. I'm such a jerk. But uh, I'll try to get better at that. Guys, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Thank you so much. Go to nimpodcast.blogspot.com. Send me some feedback. Send me a voicemail. Send it to nimpodcast at gmail.com. That would be so awesome. Um, and, uh, also if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. I'm actually going to be giving something exclusive to patrons only this week. And I'm excited and nervous about it at the same time. I can't wait to see what they think or don't think. I don't know, but, uh, it's coming and we'll see what you guys uh, how you guys feel about it? I don't know. Uh, I know I'm being very cryptic here, but I want it to be a surprise and stuff like that. So we'll see. All right, guys, that's the show. What are you waiting for? Get out there, watch Stranger Things on Netflix, and I'll see you next time. May the force be with you. Wait, I don't want to get sued. May the force be in your general vicinity. Yeah, that's the ticket. Now this is podcasting.